May 25th at Largo at the Coronet in Los Angeles, we're doing a live Dead Pilot Society, our first ever open to the public Dead Pilot Society. You remember Dead Pilot Society. It was created by Andrew Reich, who brought me in, and uh, we do readings of pilots that were bought and developed, but never produced. So it's the first time that anyone, including the writers, are getting to hear a table read of their pilot. We're doing two pilots on May 25th, one by me and Ben Ecker, and it's a cool thing that we really love, so I hope you'll come check it out. And one by Matt Gorley, uh, podcaster extraordinaire, super ego, I was there too, more, and Amanda Lund, actor and writer extraordinaire, Ghost Girls, you've seen it. Uh, and there's this, about a theme park, uh, and they both worked in the theme park, so it's a real fun inside uh, sort of comedy thing. I hope you will come check that out. We have announced some cast. Let me tell you about them. How about Rachel Bloom, writer and creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? She's going to be in it. Kiernan Shipka, Sally Draper from Mad Men. She's in also uh, The Legend of Korra. Andrew Daly, co-creator and star of Review. He's on Comedy Bang Bang. He is incredibly funny. Know who else is incredibly funny? Steve Agee. You know him from the Sarah Silverman program, from The New Girl. Mark Evan Jackson from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, from Thrilling Adventure Hour. Also from Thrilling Adventure Hour, Craig Kakowski, Also from Drunk History. These are just a few of the people who are going to be performing the scripts by Akron Blacker, by Matt and Amanda, and we're doing a third secret script that we can't tell you about, but you better be there to find out what it is. It's going to be really cool. That is all on May 25th at Largo at the Coronet. You can find out about getting tickets uh, by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. Go to writerspanel.tumblr.com or uh, just show up. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 400 writers on the show, so go back and check the archives. I'm sure you'll find more creators and more shows that you're interested in. I'm a writer myself, having written with my partner, Ben Acker, for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, FX's Cassius and Clay, among others. We've also written comics from Marvel, Image, Dynamite, and more. We created a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Maybe you'd like it. Go to thrillingadventurehour.com for more info. Let me know who you want to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. Uh, and follow me on Tumblr at writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always makes me feel good about myself. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! When I started auditioning for things, when I was a teenager, my stepfather was an actor, Mark Lano, mm-hmm. and he had been in Thank God It's Friday, and he was on Archie Bunker's Place, and he was on a, had a TV series, a short-lived TV series, and I had 
so I had uh, his agents had come over for dinner. Can I curse on this? Yes. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was already, both my parents were in show business, uh, struggling actors in New York, and they did improv at all the clubs in New York. They had many improv groups. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since I was, I mean, that's one of the things I've been calling out suggestions since I was five years old. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, Anyway, so Mark's agents came over for dinner, and I was super ambitious, uh, like a Tracy Flick of How show business. How old were you at this point? Fifteen. Okay. So, of course, I haul out my guitar and sing my one of the songs I'd written, but this was the most popular one for a teenager. <laughs> it was my calling card song called Fuck the World. And they said, you know, if you if it's okay, we'll send her out on things if you want. Oh my God. And I was like, and we were all, you know, my folks were like, uh, well, she'll probably won't won't get anything, but it'll be a good right. experience. But then I did get things, and I thought, but I thought, well, everybody knows Mark right now. I'll put go Claudia Lano. Funny, and but like I got a TV series. Within like six months, so that's insane. I know my father not really happy <laughs> about that, and then it seemed crazy to change it because then I thought people will think I'm capitalizing on my brother's success, mm-hmm. though he would be happy if I changed it. And in fact, if assisted loving had gone forward, mm-hmm. um, I was going to add Rappaport because oh, for my father. Uh, well, let's. I want to talk about this okay. for a second. You know, we, I don't want to dwell too much on, <laughs> on the acting stuff. Though yeah, you oh, did good. it for a long yeah, time. I did long, long. Um, but you started very long. young. Yes. Um, and and it's an interesting thing to hear that like you sort of grew up with it because of your stepfather. Yeah. And you were in that world, but but your father was not crazy about you entering the business. Was it at such a young age that he was worried? Mm-mm. He didn't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, you have to keep in mind that when I was growing up, you know, a, adults didn't really care that much about children. Sure. In general. <laughs> yeah, we were let to, you know, we were let to run around uh, I w- uh, the you neighborhood. Know, yeah, I had a latch. I was a, I mean, I had a key around my neck, which is, you know, also, by the way, uh, I'm a child and here's the way to get in my apartment <laughs> to rape and kill me. That's like, you know, if, in case you were wondering whether anyone would be home, no, here's this key around my neck signifying that no one is home uh, in Manhattan. <laughs> it seems like a good, good thing planning. to do. But I wasn't alone. Everybody was like that. So yeah. I don't think my father cared about that, you know. Um, and, you know, he lived in New York, too. I mean, when we moved out here, mm-hmm. he wasn't happy about that. Sure. That makes sense. That was sort of against the divorce agreement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know. Well, my mom's going to do something like it's gonna, it's like whatever, man. We're doing it. Uh, he was not happy about the name change. Sure, that's what he was not oh, happy I about. See. And and I would say, um, I th- we've gotten over it, but it is a thing that has come up subsequently. Well, sure. I mean, this is this is your professional name now. I know. And you've lived with this for you know uh, quite years a long and years. time. Yes. Go for back. how long? Mm-hmm. Were you a professional actor? Uh, 
How long did this a last? A professional? Well, yeah. I was. Well, it a, sounds like you spent no time getting into it. You're a professional immediately. Oh well, yeah, I was a I was a successful professional actor mm-hmm. for six years, mm-hmm. and then the whole thing dragged on for another ten to twelve. And then I looked around and I went. Well, I think they're they're you're getting a message. But you were working in that that entire span, no, right? I mean, I mean, I know it's always not, on and off, but not not that much. <laughs> I mean, not really. No, I mean a little. I mean, I started doing stand up, so mm-hmm. that became a thing that I was working at. All right, and so I did that. I made money. At I'm that. curious to hear about that. Okay. Uh, so, at what point? When did Knots Landing happen? This is if people know you as an actor. Yeah, this is Knots Landing happened uh, when I was, I, well, let's say sixteen. <laughs> I don't know why sometimes I say fifteen because then I think, then even, it, you know, because I feel like, well, I'm a year younger. <laughs> but, but either way, you're a kid. Like, okay, you're young sure, on sixteen. That. I mean, you're I a mean, teenager. Really, on that. the year it doesn't matter. One, when, when. Anyway, it won't matter. Right. <laughs> like if I, no. if everyone thought I was a year younger than I was, it's not going to make a exactly. difference. I, I'm dying anyway. <laughs> you know, it possibly right here. Possibly right here. Uh, uh, so yeah, I was sixteen. Okay, so you were a teenager on that yes, show, I was and a then teenager. how long did that? How long well, were you on there? Well, that show went yes. way, lo- well, way yeah, more yeah. than I. How was long on were you it. involved? Then? I was on it for five and a half years. <laughs> Once again, I round up to six. It sounds better, but the beginning of that last year. Uh, that last half year was my. I'm saying goodbye to everybody. <laughs> sure, <It's a> good <laughs> and plot getting line. drunk in my dressing room <laughs> as I do. Um, what I was loaded. If you know, there's a bunch of people on Twitter <laughs> who have been retweeting. I, I, either they have taped every knot's landing and they are rewatching it, <laughs> or it's playing somewhere. Sure. Everything's playing somewhere. A, a, a bunch of people. Let's say two. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bunch who are grabbing screenshots of my Knots Landing oh my years and tweeting them, which because I've never I mean I haven't seen these because Knots Landing uh, only the first two seasons are out on DVD and I did not tape them and save them because <laughs> you know, sure. I'm not a lunatic. Um, I mean tape by the way right. doesn't exist. <laughs> so um, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I was on there. What was the question? I was on there for like six years. I think I I think I asked just what your name was. <laughs> I think that's all I've asked. Yeah. I, um, I so you're but six years. That's a yes, good amount of time. Years. You're going yeah. from a teenager to a young adult. Yes. And what did you start? What at what point did you start to see yourself as the creator of things, not just the you know conduit? Okay. Well, um, throughout the Knots Landing period, I sporadically did uh, stand-up-like performances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For instance, when and this is even before Knots Landing, I performed that song, <laughs> Fuck the World, um, on audition night at the New York Improv mm-hmm. when I was 15 mm-hmm. or 14. I had already moved out to L.A., and I was visiting my dad. And as I said, my parents were improv Mm-hmm. Performers, so I knew the guy who ran the New York Improv, and in my family, we are. You're always working. There's not. You're always working on your show business, mm-hmm. <laughs> art. I'm not even 
kidding. Sure. So, you know, the, you know, and the good people and the determined people would call up Chris Albrecht and get on that stage. And I want to be one of the good people and the determined people and the persevering people. So I did. So and that went well. Because a 15-year-old girl singing Fuck the World with a guitar is, uh, you know, that's funny. And um, so I, I would on and off do that. So, uh, you know, so there. I guess my writing started with writing jokes. Now, which were, you know, not my, I would not say is my best writing mm-hmm. Form. Um, so let me. It, it makes sense though that you would have started out as as a comic. sort of a joke writer. Yeah, even for yourself because it well, goes I mean, hand I, in hand with performance. While right? I was on knots and a teenager, and you know, I was a an acute like uh, like TV starlet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was the same time that my stepfather. Uh, started working with Bud Friedman at the Improv, okay. and my when we moved out here, and my mom started doing stand up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we came out here, they did the Improv. They did Improv at the Comedy Store. I did the lights. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. So, like, you're the daughter trying to decide: is this laugh big enough mm-hmm. to black out on? Holy shit! At 14. Have you written this book? I'm right, working on that. Are you? By That's the way, great. in fact, I have a. It's fantastic. Have a phone call with a lady tomorrow <laughs> about all of this crap. I have so I was in a gang. I have so many things. For what me. is going on? I know some of this is. I have a Kindle book that's on Amazon right. that people What's can it read. Um, how to su- how to not succeed in show business by really trying. Listen, you hadn't succeeded, you wouldn't be here today. That's true. I know. Well, I mean, your whole life leading up to this. Uh, You never know. This could be it. Um, So, as I said, you know, I mean, I, uh, you know, I grew. So while I was on TV, I'm at the Improv Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, how many people's parents own a com you know are in a comedy club where you can eat for free uh, you know That's i would went there every night so that i mean that must have been an unbelievable Education. just learning experience yeah. i can who was there who was there at the time, at the time? Yeah. evening at the improv started so every single comic you have ever heard of mm-hmm. was coming from new york on some sort of oh. fucking plane or bus Every week. That's unbelievable. And, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld, Paul Reiser, Bill Maher, Carol Liefer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also my mom was best friends with Elaine Boozler, lived in our apartment in New wow. York for a month with Robin Ooh, Williams. You, would you, as a young person, see these comics and think that I want to do that or that's something I can do? Like, were there were there specific Com- acts that you saw that you so tried I- to model yourself after? Well, by the way, uh, my stepfather also, like now, also had comedy teaching classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, look, this is the this so kind of topic that was, uh, uh, you know, I, I, not, I, to say it's a, it was a twenty four hour discussion. Uh, like I grew up in some sort of experiment or like a lab or yes. a school or a, 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 you know, I'm an only child on that right. side. My half brothers, I saw them every other weekend. And, and 
uh, you know, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, so oh there was God. not many. My parents slept in the living room. There was not a lot of escaping. Right. Well, it's it's like those those people who were born with monkey or were raised with monkeys as their sisters. Yeah, only yeah. Comedy was your sister. Yes, it was. Yes, it was like an acting and uh, you know, Madeline. My parents were friends with Madeline Kahn, and mm-hmm. they talked about what to do to make it, why we aren't making it. Uh, uh, you know, words of wisdom like the funny voice always gets the job. That's funny. And then I would think, oh, I gotta get a funny voice. I don't have a funny voice. <laughs> what you know? And they and we were poor. You know, sure. uh, and the, I would be struggling, in the right? room, in my room. <laughs> you know, feeling. Uh, you know, and lots of crying about why things aren't going the way mm-hmm. we want them to, uh, thinking, I have to make it. I have to help mm-hmm. them. Well, it's an interesting thing. I right? have to make it, and then I have to help them. And then yeah. I have to make it, and then I have to help I mean, we have to get out of this fucking apartment. Right. I'm not even kidding. But so, you're, you're sort of, I mean, what you're talking about, and even even yes. then, what you're talking about is two aspects, which is what this show t- tries to talk yes. about, too, which is the craft and the business. Yes. Right? And yes, these are the craft very and the business. different things. You know, my, and my mom was a comic, and... Uh, so anyway, the point would be if I was trying to think of who would I be like, mm-hmm. well, the goal is to find out who you are. And I felt like in the form of stand-up that was popular at that time, mm-hmm. uh, within the span of time that the universe gives you to make it, <laughs> uh, like that I've never really, I didn't find in that venue, but the, I would say that the comedians I admired the most, uh, the person who stood out to me the most at that time was, uh, Sandra Bernhard. Mm-hmm. I'm not like her. Uh, there was nobody like her. Yeah. Uh, she was, especially at the time, I'd never seen anybody like her ever. Yeah. And she was very ahead of her time in a lot of ways. She and she was amazing. She mm-hmm. was really like confident and sexual and not self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the comics when I was a kid were I mean, you had sort of like the Elaine Boozler well, she was also confident and sexual mm-hmm. and not self-deprecating, but she was a, a brilliant Joke writer. Yeah. I mean, and she did sort of like Seinfeld did. Yeah, right? she Who did was kind jokes. of the, the model for that time. Yes. But, you know, like things were tough for women mm-hmm. comics at that time. For sure. So, and her, because she was my mom's best friend, like, you know, had a really front row seat to how difficult it oh, is to overcome, like, this bias. So, but besides that, there were, like, a lot of housewife comics. Mm-hmm. And um, so Sandra was, Sandra was, like, so super different than that. Yeah. You know, and I, and then, uh, you know, as the years went on, <laughs> and I was, like, just trying to get 30 minutes to, I mean, I had to also want to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I looked up to Janine and I looked up to, um, uh, I, who else did I love? Oh, uh, I know I can't remember her name. Easy. Well, Margaret Gross was, uh, um, really great. And, uh, Leah Krinsky was really great. And then there's a woman who became a, a writer and I can't remember That's her right. name. We I just saw her the other day. <laughs> oh, boy, <clears throat> she was so funny. 
Um, but, anyway. But it's an interesting thing, I mean, being attracted to Bernhardt. Yes. As as a model who was so unlike anyone else. And, yes. And as you said, you know, I went on the goal when, is to find your voice, right? And she certainly had done that. Yeah. But that's not an easy thing for a young writer or comic to realize. No. Right? You're, you start by emulating other people. Exactly. But... But to have someone who is so clearly her own voice, and you didn't emulate that, I assume. You found your own. You well, took that inspiration. Well, I, I would do, uh, you know what, when the stakes were low, I remember one time I went on at like one thirty in the morning and was doing like the other material because there were like <laughs> nobody in the audience. Mm-hmm. But uh, Adam Sandler was, <laughs> and he said, man, that was really great. But like, as I said, the amount of time allotted to a human being on Earth uh, you know, I mean, I got, I had a baby and everyone, like, you know what? This ain't going to happen. <laughs> you ran out the clock on trying to do this. It's true. Absolutely. I went, like, if you haven't done it by now, it's not going to happen. Um, so, but then I also found, uh, <sighs> so whatever. So I had been doing stand-up and, you know, Knots Landing was over. I was, uh, I had to recover. Sure. Uh, from that, meaning, uh, you know, got sober, <laughs> is the polite way to say that. I like that. that, that it's framed as a recovery from Knott's Landing. I had though. to recover from from teenage acting <laughs> world, and, um, you know, I, I, you know, the kind of life I had been living did not leave me with a large reservoir of money mm-hmm. after this thing, so I was waitressing now at the improv. I went from hanging out, I'm a I had been on The Tonight Show, and everyone knew me. Everyone knows me, and now I'm in the same place, but I'm going to waitress because it didn't occur to me. There's other restaurants, so you're not, like, every fucking day confronted with, like, this kind of huge, giant, humiliating failure of your life. But I didn't do that. And at one point, somebody, while well, I was I was still really young, and... Uh, you know, said to me, well, if you were, if somebody, if you, if you were going to write what you could act, what would that be? And I literally went from that meeting and started writing a scene in my head. Hmm. That's how quick it went. And then I wrote it and I realized dialogue and a scene in terms of getting, you know, getting your voice was like not hard for mm-hmm. me in as the same way I felt like a joke where you're all by yourself and you're not talking to anybody. There's no other mm-hmm. side of the conversation. And I wrote that scene and then I was in the thing and I performed it and it like k- killed. Hmm. And I went. What was the scene? Do you remember? Yeah, it was um, uh, a girl uh, who has obviously slept with a guy trying to sneak out before he wakes up. And this argument that she's having with him about why she does, you know, why she's, you know, can't commit. I think that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, oh, come on, you know, we know how this is going to (laughs) go. You know, so it was like, you know, just a young person fucking a guy and then like going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, really killed. And um, 
you know, so first of all, uh, you know, for a moment I thought, oh, my God, I'm really great. And I can, you know, if only I could translate this into other people's scenes, whatever. But I wrote a bunch of scenes and, uh, and you know, performed them to varying degrees of success. And uh, and was thinking, oh, that's really that's interesting. You know, I got I'm waitressing at night. I'm doing this. What else am I going to do with my life? Uh, maybe I should write some more. And um, and I thought, well, I mean, there's no job description of just scene writers. <laughs> you know, like there's no gig you can go up for where right. all you are required is to write scenes you could be in. You know, you have to think of a story. So I started to write like a screenplay. And that took the discipline required for that, uh, that thing. And this was, I mean, look, I'm a million years old. This was before computers, Mm -hmm. okay? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I could not handle the typewriter technology (laughs) with pages and changing the tape and the whiteout. Like, that was really standing in my way in terms of getting it done. Uh, So it took four years. You know, just lugging the typewriter out was so much work. and You feel like the work is done once you do that. I mean, keeping track of actual pages. And at the time, the guy who I wound up marrying was, like, on the forefront of computer. That's what he did. Uh So by the time I left him... That time, uh, you know, I had like my own computer. So the second thing I wrote, I wrote on a computer, and that took me like six months <laughs> because it was like, oh, it's all stored in here. Right. It's so easy, you know. Were, were you? <laughs> but not these things weren't successful. Right, but but just as, just as learning as, how to write. Yeah, discovering that it was you... really about. It, I mean. I wasn't doing anything the right way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Did you have a story you were compelled to tell, though? I always had stories I was compelled to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I did. I, I had, I mean, compelled, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's, yeah, I went, well, oh, yeah, like yeah, that's worked, a good idea. If you worked for four years on, on one this story. You know what? Honestly, I came up with that idea because there was a guy in my acting class I wanted to fuck. And I thought he would be good in it. <laughs> That's Isabella, you do not need that's my daughter. Listen to these things. <laughs> She's so much much of a better person. We're gonna have than her in next. Um she would really like that. <laughs> but so uh, my my question yeah, I I guess, had a, is Yes, I I I mean compelled. I <laughs> But never mind that. Were, okay. were you sort of on on both, you know, any of this early stuff, were you just kind of writing your way through or did you sit down? Did you outline it or was I did it really not just I didn't even know way? people did an outline. Mm-hmm. I really I like I I you know, would have been a good idea to maybe buy a book on this shit. Uh, you know, it didn't occur maybe to not. me. Maybe not. I I I you know, I my my early adulthood was um uh almost <laughs> you know really like a childhood <laughs> like like really just learning how to do basic things yeah well so at so, what point did these yeah. sort of formal processes of <laughs> after writing screenplays I, I, okay. start to take shape for you after i sold the show no kidding. Yeah, my first writing job was I sold a show. How did that, that even happened? happen? You, you can't even believe this. So I wrote like five screenplays in this mishmash way. Mm-hmm. 
of just moving forward. And I would say what I got out of that was um, discipline and and dialogue Mm -hmm. and just like, who am I and what do I like and what can I do? And I mean, I wrote a bunch of different things. One thing I thought was pretty good, but, you know, it was written on a program that's so old, you can't (laughs) open it. That's great. You can't. Uh, there's not a like a oh tech genius in the world who could Fantastic. figure out. I don't even know if I have a copy. That was <laughs> right. dumb. That was dumb. But, but it, I was it's like, probably for the best anyway. No matter how good it is, you were still you, know, good. you were a kid. I was well, a kid. I'm helping you out. <laughs> okay, thank you. So I did that for a while, <laughs> and I couldn't. The business aspect of that, I could not figure out. For the life of Well, that's what I was curious. Were you showing these to people? Well, to my mother. Okay. She loved it. And I didn't know how to get a writing agent. I didn't know any single thing. And I didn't really, and you know, try that hard because I guess of a lack of confidence. And then at a certain point... <laughs> I I think maybe this was by the time I had, uh, you know, gotten married and had a, I think it was a, married and had a baby. And um, uh, I started looking around in my surroundings and going, God, you know, uh, all these comics that you know are in television. If they're not on television, they're writing for television. And you, at the very least, know those people Maybe you should try to see if you can do that. Hmm. Um, At this time, there was like a sort of uh, rising, the first wave of like the Internet. Mm -hmm. It's like the the Mm mid-90s. And I auditioned for something and was just like so fantastic in this meeting that I talked them into letting me write and be in a show that was on the internet. That never could see it. You know, you couldn't even see it because the platform never worked. But uh, I got into my head because, you know, now I had written some TV scripts Mm -hmm. and I had sent them to some people. Had you written spec, uh, like, existing shows? I had written spec of existing shows and original sh- uh, okay. original pilots. Tell me about the the specs of existing. I'm always curious because that's I came what up with those too. Oh, okay. What did you write? I wrote. Do you remember? I maybe I wrote a Mad About You. Okay. Would you remember what it was about? No, I wrote a Seinfeld. Okay. That was really good. What was that one about? And it was so good <laughs> that one of the stories which I then rewrote as a spec, Curb Your Enthusiasm, <laughs> was the, I don't know why, it may have just been, it is parallel thinking. Mm-hmm. Probably it just like, oh, well, that's such a good, of course. I think they used it on Cur- Curb Your Enthusiasm. Really? Yes. George's, the Seinfeld was George's dating a woman who has one kidney, and he's terrified that if that one craps out, she will ask him for his kidney, really and uh, he doesn't want to commit to that, you know, and and he just can't take the anxiety 
of the constant monitoring of how she's doing because what if she asked me for my kidney and I have to say no. Right. I don't want to lose my kidney. I don't like her getting enough to give her. <laughs> anyway, I think they did do it on her. Okay. And then funny. I rewrote it for Richard Lewis. Uh, no kidding. Who I went on a date with once. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyway. if that's a, a brag. I don't know what that is. I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> um so I, okay, you so know, so the thing specs. was, and and I'm writing specs. I'm not really getting anybody to take me seriously because, and I can understand why. In a lot of people's minds, I am a failed actress and a failed comic. Mm-hmm. You know, a mediocre comic and a failed something. Sure, and you hadn't proven yourself as a writer. Had not, and but when I went in for this computer thing. <laughs> I was like, uh, like a uh, like the most b- b- amazing person they'd ever met, and I thought to myself, Claudia, you need to meet new people <laughs> who don't think of you or who you don't think think of you in a certain mm-hmm. way. Sure. During that Makes time, sense. my mom had segued from stand-up to managing stand-ups, and she was managing this stand-up named Andrea Abbott. Back then, she was Andrea Walker who I, at that time, resented a lot because she was doing so much better than me. And now my mom, like, I don't have, I'm an only (laughs) child. uh, And, like, now I'm competing with this, you know, taller, blonder, better version of myself that my mother pays more attention to. Anyway, she had uh, sold a show and sold, written, and was starring in a pilot. (laughs) And I had made this internet show. Uh, that my mom got her to watch, and then uh, and she liked it, and then she said, "Well, why doesn't Claudia pitch some jokes for this pilot? And if I like her, she can come in the room." I pitched the jokes. She did like it. I went in the room, and it was like I had found where I should be. Hmm. I was. All of us, like, it was also just I connected with Andrea, mm-hmm. who's one of my best friends now. I was the right fit because our sense of humor is similar. And I was just like a, and the guy that was the non writing executive producer of that show, who's passed, I can, you know, was just like, it was, I mean, I was looking at sets. I was sitting in on casting things. Mm. I ran the room one night. That's unbelievable. Because she was rehearsing and I had never been in a room before. But I guess growing up in a comedy club and having been writing at home for (laughs) 14 years, I, I, I just, and just like you go, well, this is, and the way I grew up, it was just like, I'm, this is, I loved, I couldn't love anything more. I literally felt like this is like the greatest thing I've ever, this is the greatest experience I'm ever having. After that, um, I, for a while, I, uh, Andrew. How, how long did that show It didn't go in? on. It was a pilot. Oh, so it was, wasn't this was all up. just working on the pilot. Yeah, it wasn't picked oh, up. Um, it wasn't picked up. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Uh, so I didn't have a job on that show, right. and Andrew tried to get me on the show. She did get a job on, but I didn't. So it was her personal assistant for a while. I mean, I was That's like, all right. you know, I had a baby. By that time, I had was living with my parents, mm-hmm. with my baby, and like you know, had all my money in a coffee can. 
and um, I met with the guy who was the non-writing executive producer of Andrea's show, uh, Joe Voci was his name, and I told him this idea I had for a TV show uh, that was autobiographical about a former nighttime soap opera star who gets sent to AA by the courts, which hadn't happened to me, but <laughs> but I was but, all those things. But it's a good story. Yes. And he said, what a great idea. You should go home and write that, mm-hmm. which is code for, well, I'm buying lunch, and that's about it. And I started writing it, and I sent him the first act, and he was like, this is keep going. This is fantastic. And he came up, I think he came up with the title there, Rude Awakening. I finished it. He had a lunch with somebody at Showtime who said, we're looking for the next Susan Harris. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have this script. And uh, the next thing I knew, I didn't have an agent. My home number was on the cover page. I mean, I'm getting phone calls. I have meetings everywhere. I didn't have any clothes. I'm wearing my mother's clothes to these meetings. The guy who used to own the improv in New York, Chris Albrecht, Mm -hmm. was now running HBO. It's my belief that he led the people at Showtime to believe they were super interested uh, to help me because they were doing Sex in the City. I don't know how interested they were, but we Listen, were great whatever, friends. Yeah, whatever happens. Um, so it got down to Joe saying to the president of Showtime, you have to pick this up for 13 episodes. And they said, okay, what's the 13 episodes? And Joe said, you have to go in and pitch the mm. first season arc of your series, mm-hmm. which I had never done. Right. Had you thought about it in writing the pilot? Kinda. Sure. I did after that. Right. And I did, that. my first pitch meeting oh my God. really was... What was that like? Well, they... I knew they liked the script. Right. You're coming into a friendly room. Yes. I knew they loved the script. Mm-hmm. And I knew that probably their hesitation would be this character which was amazingly ahead of its time, is a a real anti-heroine. Will anybody like her? Mm -hmm. And so I did feel, once I got in there, if they like me, they will say yes. Mm -hmm. And And because I think of, like, all the work, this is what my message is, all the work I didn't realize I was doing... I had, which was this sort of series of humiliations that went on for so long, <laughs> the way an Andy Kaufman routine started to seem funny to me. <laughs> sure. The humiliation started to become comic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sleeping on a foam, a piece of foam in my parents' Uh, you know, house with a baby and nothing and had just declared bankruptcy and, you know, had no idea what I was doing with my life and had been like going somewhere, you know, (laughs) and now here I was and it started to seem funny, Mm -hmm. you know, and all the escapades that one gets into when one is, you know, having recovered or, you know, all that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, seemed like adventurous, and uh, so I did leave that meeting thinking this is going to happen. So, do you do you go into that meeting and just 
tell your story? Yes, That's I fantastic. did. I thought really I came up with the idea for the a bunch of things happened, uh, you know, within the first year of my sobriety. Uh, and uh, I just created an arc of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened with that show? We made it. Mm-hmm. It got picked up for 13 episodes, right. and that was, I mean, we made it for three years. Um, and that was my first job. That's was unbelievable. I had a TV show. <laughs> and we're talking budgets and, I mean, yeah. all of these things. It was very low budget, so it didn't ever look the way I wanted it to, mm-hmm. But and but that really hurt it. But in terms of experience. like a showrunner training you know yeah. the showrunner program that's what it was did it, they bring in someone we seasoned did, to help you i did i i picked i helped on another pilot mm-hmm. during that period and there was one woman there who laughed at everything i said i was worried they wouldn't like me you know they won't like me or think i'm funny mm-hmm. so she kept laughing at what i said and she was keeping track of what we were doing in a way that <laughs> looked like you, you know she's right okay well, uh, we were supposed to do that thing the, the note said do this thing we should go back to page 5 and do that thing I went, oh wow she's so fuck you know she's organized and she likes me uh, Pam Eels, mm-hmm. and she was a veteran, and a, I mean, and a, a beyond lovely woman, I, 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 you know, I, I, and and my friend Andrea. Mm-hmm. It was me, Pam, and Andrea, which is you know also like uh, uh, women running a show, uh, and all the lower level people work dudes. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Stephen Lloyd, mm-hmm. we hired was Funny. I think his first show. And it was we it was we made thirteen episodes in fourteen weeks. Wow! And Sherilyn Fenn was the star, mm-hmm. and uh, Lynn Redgrave was on it, and you know we had Roger Daltrey did a thing, Jonathan Penner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, it was like it was it was there was, a, and I would have. Like, old writers come in and help and also write mm-hmm. scripts, you know, for free. Like, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> Believe me, this won't be anything like your real job because <laughs> we could curse and we got sure. naked girls and, you know. Yeah, this is uh, and, the early days of, yeah, of, of cable. cable. Yeah, Especially cable comedy. Yes. It was pre-Weeds <clears throat> Showtime. Yeah. It was post-Hollywood Hot Tubs, <laughs> pre-Weeds. It sure. was in that sort of thing. That's interesting. Before, you know, they started spending money on things. Right. But, um, but the opportunity was, you know, oh, was fantastic. unbelievable. Well, and that make first season, uh, well, I could do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, my friend came in to help once, uh, Ron Zimmerman, and, and uh, he, we were like rewriting something and it was crazy. And, you know, we were just like punch drunk and... <laughs> having the greatest time, and he, he turned to me and he goes, it will never be like this again. <laughs> Has that been true? Yes. <laughs> he was absolutely right. It's funny to hear, you know, you got a couple opportunities to work on other people's pilots, even preceding yeah. Rude Awakening, and it's still something you do. I mean, we always see your name pop up these days as uh-huh. someone who's shepherding a project yes. or EPing a project. Yeah. How, how do you become that guy? Oh, wow. What an interesting thing. How do you become that guy? You know, you know, I like helping other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've worked on other people's shows a lot. Right. And, you know, you don't always have to be 
the person coming up with everything, mm-hmm. you know, other people's ideas are inspiring. I mean, like I did that one with Stephanie Weir, uh, which we we're halfway through making the pilot. Yes. This then, is actually a great story. Do you want to tell this? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was it's not that great, but uh <laughs> Well, it's another one of these heartbreak stories. Yeah, I mean, we were it was a rough everything about mm-hmm. it had a little bit of a a thing except working with her cuz she's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our sensibilities matched. I found it, you know, I just loved it. You know, I really That's great. She's, you know, it's not my experience, but mm-hmm. The emotions, you know, she's a great writer. And uh, we had hired Delta Burke, and uh, she uh, fell. <laughs> and and it was just like, you know, Delta's fallen. She's going to the uh, emergency room, and then uh, we're done. <laughs> and, and the pilot was done, right? And that was it. I mean, this is, it just, to me, it illustrates yeah. that it's everything's out of your control, right? You can only do the best work you can do. Yeah, and I had shot my pilot already that mm-hmm. year, so I had to, I was in the middle of editing. It was a rough thing to be doing, both those pilots oh, that same year. It was not easy. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. Well, but and like but I, I did said, it. You do this. You seem to do this a lot, though. That you often have your own and helping yeah. someone else, yeah. or even a couple of people. <laughs> I'm a workaholic. I mean, I, 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 you know, talked about my childhood. It seems perfectly natural to me, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I like, you know, I, I, you know, like to be at the show. I mean, mm-hmm. there are things that I love so much that there are things that I've loved so much that I have come in for free for multiple weeks. Just because I want to be there, you know, if it was like sweeping, I would probably sweep, you know, and I maybe I wouldn't sweep. I'm so I'm really not a clean freak. (laughs) But, you know, I would certainly, you know, there's things where it's like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I think people get like uh, freaked out. Why does she want to come for free? What's the matter with her? But, um, you know, I really do like the creation and mm-hmm. the camaraderie and the atmosphere and the people and the, you know, I really like it. What do you think, and and this might be a hard question okay. to answer, but what do you think you bring to that process? What do you think that you bring that only you bring? <sighs> only me? I don't know if I... If well, what do you think your value add is? Because there clearly is a huge one. <laughs> Otherwise, people wouldn't want you around. Yeah. And they continue to really want you around. I think that, okay, well, I'm funny. Um, I feel like, you know, I am able to... Uh, yeah, this is a hard question. I'm able to mix in my writing experience and a performing experience, and I can occupy the. I like to bring in the real emotional things of the characters, mm-hmm. and I can communicate them in a comedic way that is also performative. So it's fun to have that person around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can, I'll act, I do all the voices. I mean, when I pitch, I'm like doing all the characters. And I'm, that's one of the things that I liked when I 
found writing mm-hmm. and making a show. When you're an actor, you're so obsessed with your part. Do I have enough? How much time do I have on camera? You know, how do I look on camera? Did they cut me out? Blah, blah, blah. And it's very, I feel, not good for a person who's already self-obsessed. <laughs> and like, are they performing well? And But when you're the writer, you're the show. You're the entire show. There's nothing happening that's not filling you emotionally. Hmm. It, I mean, from the actors to the the sets to the clothes to the lights to the editing to the music, you're at all of it. It's like every part of you, and it's very, very gratifying when it goes well. And I I think that, like, you know, I really like to connect to a project. And when I do, I bring the full force of my enthusiasm and, um, like, sort of a vision of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, which people, you know, they don't need, they don't always want that much of you. So you also have to gauge how much do they want of you. Sure. So that you're not overpowered. I mean, I think I'm good at reading the room. What am I needed for? You know, am I helping? Uh, you know, being in a writer's room is a very... Um, involving experience. What, what was the what was a great room that you were in that you didn't run? Oh my god, less than perfect. Really? Oh my god. Why? Well, the, well, first it was run by Terry Minsky, the creator, mm-hmm. and the actors were just fantastic, and the staff was amazing. I mean, it was a great staff, and she is a very passionate writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I've worked with subsequently, okay. who I just, I, you know, she's a, a great writer and creator. And even when she went, be- when she left the show, then the person who ran it next was um, Christine Zander. And mm-hmm. she's one of the best showrunners I've ever worked with, ever. She's hilarious. Uh, she's, you know, disciplined mm-hmm. in terms of keeping us on track. It was, you know, the show was fun to shoot. I made lifelong friends on that show. And then the second one was War at Home, which mm-hmm. my brother starred on, mm-hmm. uh, Rob Lauderstein. The friends that I made on that show, uh, you know, I'm still friends with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've made some lifelong friends. You know, at the end of the day, reality show term, <laughs> sorry. Wait, but I thought I you were there to make friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not here to make friends. But at the end of the day, the business is so difficult. There is so much disappointment and struggle and, uh, you know, sometimes heartbreak. The only thing that they, not to say people are bad, but the business and they Mm -hmm. cannot take away from you is the experience and the friendships you have with the people you work with. And it's the only thing that will matter. You know, you'll have your work and you'll go, well, I love that. I mean, look, the other day, uh, well, a couple of months ago, the other day, five years ago, um, there was a a joke from accidentally on purpose Uh that I wanted to see if I could 
copy <laughs> for something I was doing uh-huh. or I wanted to remember. And, um, you know, it's on Netflix and I hadn't watched it since the show was canceled, which that was a very highly rated show that was canceled <laughs> and moved around. They for, used to be able to do that. <laughs> uh, which I can't understand why that happened, yeah. but uh, was also one of the most fun shows I ever ha- worked on my show but uh and i put it on i didn't remember one thing about the episode and i couldn't believe how good it was <laughs> and how funny it was what a great experience i was like i had like seven years you know yeah. time i was like going i can't believe how good this is <laughs> i can't believe it i don't know what's going to happen next and we i ran this show I couldn't, and, you know, you never have that in a television show, Mm -hmm. and it's the thing that I want the most, that they always fight you on because they want you to set everything up. Then it's not a surprise, you know, and when you're watching a thing, I mean, a surprise is a great everything. It's a turn in the story. It's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a joke. It's everything, a surprise, but if you set it up too well... Boy, the audience sees it coming, but <laughs> not that, in this episode. <laughs> that does seem to be, and you've been in network for a long time now. I mean, that seems to be the great problem with network comedies, right? There are so few that allow for that surprise. inevitable surprise. Yeah, it's true. You know, have you, in in developing your own stuff, yeah. I mean, you know, we don't have to throw anyone under the bus, but, uh-huh. um, you know, have you struggled with finding that? Balance. I always struggle with fun, and every single thing I do, I struggle with it because, I mean, this is like such a weird reference. It's the only example I can think of where I really went had this experience. I was, I remember when I first saw Muriel's Wedding, which is a great movie, if you haven't seen it. But like halfway through the movie, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen," and I don't remember feeling that way. I have no idea. It was like around the time when Rachel Griffith's character got paralyzed. You know, was she, they were having fun, and then all of a sudden mm. she couldn't move her legs. And I was like, oh, man, let me tell you something. I did not see that coming. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. It's a good feeling as an audience member. It's a great feeling. Yeah. You know, it's, an, it's, a, a, it's a feeling you just, like, literally don't have very often. Yeah. And it's pretty rough to get that in a network show and I understand why because in in a, most scripts you know things are there's a buy mm-hmm. you know what a buy is like uh, okay I, uh, you know that's not so real but I'll buy it right and, I'll swallow it so I can go along with this you show. know alright I just want <laughs> the thing to keep going right and um I think a lot of the times they see a, su- a surprise that comes out of nowhere as too big of a buy. Like, where did that come from? Mm. And, you know, to me, it's a little six of one, half a dozen of the other. There's really not a good way or a bad way in my perspective. You know, it's like that classic, uh, you know, when you're trying to decide, does the character not know but the audience right. knows? Or does the character not know and the audience doesn't know? And either way is probably going to be interesting or good if it's Mm -hmm. executed correctly. 
you know, if it's executed well. Um, but so why are we going to spend like hours arguing about it? Because either way is good. Which way do you think is more? I don't know. Which seems better right now? Yeah, <laughs> as, as the audience doesn't know or the audience knows and they're delighted by watching the character find out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whatever. <laughs> um, just to to kind of so look at some of these uh, yeah. things that you've worked on, and we'll, okay. we'll wrap up. Um, how to live with your parents yes. for the rest of your life? Yes. Uh, when was this? That was three years ago. Yeah, not that long. ago. No, not that long. Ago. Um, one season. One season. Yeah. How was that experience? This is your show. You created this yeah. show. Um, uh, hearing your story, it sounds like living with your parents was yeah. a uh, thing. It was a thing as an adult. Well. Look, that was like one of the best experiences I've ever had, except for being canceled, which was a huge surprise. Really? Yes, because um, we did better in the time slot than Hmm. how to, you know, don't trust the bee. Right. Which was in it before. We did better in the time slot in a lot of cases than a lot of things had. Including happy endings. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and I was on the phone with the network discussing staffing that morning we were canceled. <laughs> so wow. I really, you know, you can never take anything for granted. When, when they, in terms of programming, you know, when we were on with Suburgatory, we did amazing. And uh, we had, I mean, these are all data bullshit things. And, you know, you shouldn't tell yourself these things, by the way, because uh, how does it help? But, but this is the world that you're in. Yeah. You, you know, when yeah. we, we were the only show that had 100%, 100% retention from a Modern Family rerun. Huh. You know, and, wow. we, and they really gave us like four or six episodes to make the decision and, you know, and there was nobody saying at the network, we don't like this show. You know, like it you wasn't... weren't being noted to death either through we the We got process. a lot of notes. You it did. was pretty frustrating. But is that typical for... A first-year show? Yeah. And, um, but compared to other things, which they put on, which did not do us any favors, mm-hmm. um... What I, you know, we weren't, we weren't, you know, it was a struggle. There were struggly things, Um, but not more than normal. And uh, so it was like the greatest time ever and then the worst heartbreak ever because I had developed it for like 10 or 12 years. Really? Yeah, I had pitched it at CBS like 12 years earlier. Mm -hmm. I had written a script of it for HBO. I had then spent the subsequent years like coming back to it because, you know, I did live with them for so long. It's funny. It sounds like it it would have come out of the time right after Rude Awakening. Yeah. You know, like that, that was the time in your life to explore next was your shit's together, but you're living with your parents. Or you're yeah. starting to get your shit together. Well, my shit wasn't together. That was a big <laughs> uh, problem with – that was also – That, works for that HBO. was a, a – yeah, well, I mean, I kept a lot of it, you know, for How to Live. I don't mm-hmm. know if you watched it, but you can see it on Amazon. It's really good. <laughs> right. You know, we had a great cast, and, you know, they let me do a lot of what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, that was really gratifying. Uh, so, but it was a, you know, it was like 
you know, could you have kept that on? Would it have done as well mm. as some of the things that they have now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have grown. Sure. I really do. Well, I think I think that's generally true anyway. If you have a quality show, it's yeah. going to take some time these days. Yeah, I mean, it's a we weird had Brad thing. Garrett, Elizabeth Perkins, yeah. Sarah Chalk. It was a great cast. You know, uh, it was a great cast. And the room was good, too. Oh, my God. It was a great room. Great. You know, it was it was just like a, a charmed experience mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, even though we had a bunch of whatever things. Um, but, you know, there were things that Elizabeth and Brad and Sarah did. And John Doerr was, mm-hmm. is, is, I mean, I, I you know, and Joe Wenger, you know, was Stephanie Hunt. They were just all really good. And there were some moments where I was like, this is absolutely, I think, you know, I've never worked with actors who were, you know, all the actors I've worked with are brilliant. But they were portraying something that was personal mm-hmm. to me. And um, so those moments where it really came together, which were, uh, mo- uh, you know, like 80, 90 percent of the time, I can't. Well, nothing didn't come together. It, w- it was a great fucking show. Hmm. It really was. Oh, and, a and, and, you know, there was no like thing where you'd go, well, they were bad or uh, there was one episode that was rough. But even that one had <laughs> great, you know, it had like one of the funniest things in it. Hmm. Sure. Yeah. Moments ever. Absolutely. So, you know, it was, uh, that was rough. I mean, the thing I've been, this is a joke, by the way, uh, but the joke that I've been coming up with post that was, well, the good news is, is nothing will ever hurt that bad again. <laughs> nothing, oh. nothing will ever come close <sighs> to like that. We worked for 12 years on something. <laughs> we could have gone to a different network. We didn't. Oh, we went to this God. one. Uh, and, <clears throat> uh, you know, it was good, but not good enough. <laughs> and like, oh, my God. Oh, and, you know. That's, yeah. yeah. It's, it's again, it's these things you can't, you do the best job you can. You, you do get the best all job. the good people. There are probably, you know, there are definitely things about my, I happen to think that like making things unique to you is good because then it doesn't seem like every, anything <clears throat> could be anything. But there may be things, you know, unique to my experience that uh, not everybody <laughs> can relate to. But not in this it's, case. Not in this case. The, yeah. People were like, I, this is one of the jokes I was making at the time was this is the first time in my life people have told me I'm relatable. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, was, is this something you take to heart moving forward? Because now it's been a couple of years and you've done a few pilots and some other stuff. Yeah. Is it something you consider? Like, you've always told these personal stories. Yeah. But the idea of making it universal or being related. Well, I've done other stories, too. I mean, yeah. Accidentally on Purpose wasn't my story. Yeah. So, you know, I, <clears throat> as long as I can relate to it emotionally. Um, but, you know, I say, fuck them. You know, I'm going to, you know, why? Just because you're done doesn't mean I'm done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that's how I feel. You know, you can't do, you know, you want to do work that you feel like, is the best you can do. What else am I going to do? I, I don't think I could do another thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you, I mean, I really don't. To, right? You I know, I you just lesson. like what's the point of that? I don't even. I don't. But there's people who can do that way better than I can. I'm always going to try to find like, you know, I, I mean, whether it's you know unique 
moments, even in accidentally on purpose, of, you mm-hmm. know, relationship moments and interesting. It doesn't have to be me. You know, right. people tell me their story, too. And I go, oh, man, that's fantastic. Yeah. We should do that. But, and that, that means something to you. I love that. I mean, it, I you mean, may not really be personally do. involved, but it means something Oh, my to God. You. It's like, yeah. you know, where you just go, oh, my God, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's such a great detail. Can we use that detail of you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or why don't you write that episode? Mm-hmm. Because that's got all that stuff that you've got going on. Sure. I love that shit. I mean, I, I do. I just love it. I love it. Um, what are you What are you looking forward to? What's happening next for you? Well, you're going to be in a room this year. I don't know. Um, you know, I'm looking at what I'm going to develop for the next network season. I uh, co-wrote and directed a short film that was in a bunch of festivals Great. that was really kind of a pilot that I want to sell to cable. What's it called? Uh, Bummed. Okay. I've got a copy of it in my purse Happy that I carry. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Please do. If you want. It stars John Doerr and Joe Wangert. Larry. Eddie Pepitone, Echo oh, Kellum, uh, Becky Thayer, Sarah Chalk is in it. Great and, comedy people. I mean, it was the that was the greatest time I've ever had too, because nice. it was my first like directing thing. That's cool. And um, you know, I really like to sell that. Mm. And then you know, I'm like thinking, what's my next networky thing? I have a couple of ideas. All right. And Sounds I'm writing good. a movie um, <clears throat> because of the uh, short film. This company. Uh, hired me to rewrite, which is a massive rewrite. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy's dead, so I can say that. Um, and direct, uh, you know, like an indie feature. So that's I'm great. concentrating on Congrats. that. Congrats, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and we'll end, as we always do, by asking what you are watching on television these <gasps> days. What do you love? Well, I don't watch a lot of comedy recreationally mm-hmm. because it feels like work. I hear that a lot. Okay. Um, I love, you know, I love girls and I love Veep. And uh, I loved The Kroll Show. I could watch that over and over and over again. (laughs) Broad City. Mm -hmm. um, Amy Schumer. Um, but I'm, I love The Walking Dead. I mean, I love, I'm like obsessed with The Walking Dead and 12 Monkeys is coming back on. And I watched Colony mm-hmm. and The Expanse. I, if it's like, it's, you watch a lot of sci-fi. It's, I'm obsessed with sci-fi. That's really Comic fun. books and, you know, I wish I could write that, you know. Why but, can't you write that? Uh, well, you know, why can't I? <laughs> You know, I got a lot of other things to do. You know, it's not a good reason. You know, you want like the because the science fictiony part, Mm -hmm. like the the I call it the blah blah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we got to get the medicine to the planet, or the you know the guy wants to blow up the thing. I even when I see a comic book movie, it's like, why? Why do you want to? (laughs) You know, I don't even understand. Like, what are you doing? You know, what is that? Well, you're watching all of these shows. I don't care about, about that, that shit. I care about all the other stuff. Sure. I mean, these you are know? All, all the shows you're talking about are, are you know, are about the relationship. Yes, I don't care, like, yeah. Thanos, <laughs> you know, and in the whole Marvel's universe. The, uh-huh. You know, what? what is he... 
why does why are they so what are you going to do like i'm what do you need to control the universe for like what i mean first of all it doesn't sound great like what do you need all these people what do you what are they going to do for you like just for fun i never get those like the villains right. who we want to get control of the world sure well, the bigger it is, the vaguer it becomes. But right? why? You know, why? Like, what's driving you? Right. Do you want the young Thanos adventures? Find out really where he comes from. What He's a, <laughs> such a boring villain. You know, he's bad. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what's happening with him and Loki. And <laughs> it's true. I mean, I, I, you know, that whole story in the Avengers is like some kind of weird deal. I'm going to get your army. I don't understand what Thanos is getting out of it. You know, do you? No, I get no that idea. Loki, again, wants to be the boss of Earth, I'm a big Star Trek person. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I'm a kind of, like, like, have a... Almost can't talk about it without crying. (laughs) Not even, not even kidding. Star Trek. Yes. Okay. Especially, look, when, in Wrath of Khan, when Spock is in, you know, Spock has done the nuclear... With the core. You've never seen it? No. I don't know Star Trek at all. Well, that's so tell me fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, you've got to see The Wrath of Khan. It's like the best movie ever. Okay, so they, they you know, he's had his big fight with Khan, and we won that, but the core, uh, which is nuclear, and uh, is off. And, um, of course, Spock who uh, has already said at the beginning of the movie, uh, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, you've heard that. Or Set up the, and pay off. Or the one. Here it comes. Okay? The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one, my friends. Uh, so Spock, uh, is, I'm going to go in there. Scotty is saying, and McCoy, very comes in big in Star <laughs> Trek III, uh, you'll die, and Spock... You know, puts him out with the grip. Sure. He goes in there and, um, you know, he takes the core and he puts it on top of the thing. Right. And so he's dead. Don't make yourself cry. And so now they've won. And, you know, Kirk is like, uh, you know, Spock, blah, blah, blah. And he looks over at his chair and he's not there. And then on the intercom, they're like saying, you, Captain, you better get down here. <laughs> Yeah, he does get down there and behind like plexiglass or some special kind of space plexiglass. <laughs> there's Spock. He's still alive. He's covered in radiation burns. And um, <laughs> he says, is the ship out of danger? And Spock and Kirk says, uh, you saved the ship. You saved us all. Anyway, I told my daughter who wants to be an actress that I made myself cry in my car, envisioning that when she wins her first award <laughs> and is up at the podium, she will say to me, Mom, you saved the ship. You saved us all. Oh, my God. And she told me she would. That's, that's lovely. Yeah, I know. Claudia, thank you for being here. You're welcome. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.